is Truth Talks. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Welcome back. Here we are with uh, the pastor of Belcroft Bible Church. His name is Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, buddy. It's always, always an honor to be with you, my friend. It's, it's great to be here with you as well, uh, especially the subject that we're going to get into Uh-oh. right now, uh, you know, concerning uh, last time, last uh, last podcast, we were talking about First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 7, and um, we're going to get into the, uh, the the other part of the verse um, and really about how a lot of husbands, uh, including me in that number are very much, uh, uh, in, in a lot of ways being very passive. Mm. And, uh, mm. I remember one thing that you always say, uh, that the, the fall of man really came from, uh, a, 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 a struggling marriage yep. where the, uh, the woman was taking the lead and the man was not. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to read First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 7 once more. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Mm. And uh, you hinted last time that uh, there is consequence to uh, that passivity. So um, yes. do I have to explain the passivity at all, or do you, are you... Nope. I, I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it, I, I think we know what each other means, but uh, yeah. Do you, we explain it? Give an illustration. Give make it clear for the listener. Okay. Yeah. I'll just pull it out of my own uh, life. How about that? Because those are those are the uh, examples that I'm well versed on. Yep. So uh, it would be the let's say that you get you get home and uh, it's, you know, five, six o'clock, your wife has been there all day with the kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, instead of going and interacting with the kids, uh, you would, uh, just disappear. Mm-hmm. And instead yep. of, you know, asking what she needs help with or anything yeah. like that, just kind of disappear. Yeah. Now I'm guilty of that. Yep. I will say that I have talked to my wife before. There are times where I just need like 10 minutes yeah. to just sure you know yep kind of just deflate yep. from the day yep and uh we've talked about that and i have you know been able to be a lot better when i come then to engage mm-hmm. um but you know I, I definitely there are definitely men that are listening right now that have just disappeared or they appear and they just sit on the uh, on the couch and do yeah, nothing that's it you yep. know yep so um what what would you what would you say to that, Matt? I mean, yeah. So it's one thing if if I'll preface this and then we'll get into the details. I think um, all marriage all marriages need to have a context and a uh, a context of patience, right? Meaning mm-hmm. a there needs to be a characteristic uh, in the marriage of patience with one another. All relationships do because we're all struggling sinners on multiple levels. And so we need to be, we need, as Colossians 3 says, to bear with one another. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's an interesting phrase uh, to believers given in Colossians 3, that we need to bear with one another as we struggle through our relationships. We need to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. We need to be patient with one another. First uh, Corinthians 13, love is patient, right? Mm-hmm. And so there is a sense in which we we must fight for that in our marriages, in our relationships, in the church, uh, any relationship, uh, a core characteristic of it has to be 
patience with one another. Has to be I understand that that my friend, my partner, my mate, my my spouse is not perfect. I understand that uh, there are days in which some days are harder than others. There are days in which where he's he or she is struggling with sin in ways I don't even know, but I can recognize something's not right. And so, so I think that that's a given. That has to be it, if you're going to have a solid relationship on any level. There has to be, as even Paul said, there has to be a time where you're overlooking things, right? Where you're not nitpicking all the time. Where it's like, oh, he he had a rough day at work. He needs some time. That that that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, right? And so I think, vice versa, right? The wife needs to receive that from the husband as much as the husband does from the wife, as well as friends, as well as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Um, to not have that is 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 to breed disaster, mm-hmm. because guarantee you you're gonna you are going to let one another down. It's not if it's just when. It's just relationships. That's the reality of being sinners, right? And being um, filled with all kinds of faults and flaws. And we're not we're not glorified yet. We're not perfect. Mm-hmm. And so we're not where we want to be or where we should be, but we're getting there. So that mindset of patience and kindness and overlooking faults at, uh, when we can. There's some things you can't overlook, but there are plenty of things we can and a healthy relationship will do that and give it's called giving grace right mm-hmm. we should be outdoing one another and showing honor yeah. and grace and that will be huge in a marriage and a healthy marriage will always do that right mm-hmm. healthy marriage in many ways will be blind to those things in the right way it doesn't mean you're overlooking sin and sweeping it under the carpet that's not what i mean but we're talking about just the reality of just living in a difficult life Things are going to happen and difficult days are going to come and you're going to need to come home and go shut the door and sit for 10 minutes and just get your thoughts before you. That's okay. Yeah. Right. Now that can't happen every day. Mm -hmm. Right. That's passivity. That's that's neglect. But that happens from time to time and that shouldn't be a problem. Mm -hmm. If it is, the marriage is not mature. The marriage is is insensitive or the relationship is. And that's okay too, because that's how it grows mature and grows sensitive. You work through that. But that being said, a husband cannot have as his practice to walk in the door and go play video games or go read a book or go whatever as his normal practice, mm-hmm. right? If he needs some time to decompress because he's just had to fire 200 people or something, yes, you need some time to decompress, yeah. right? Um, that's warranted. But uh, on the normal platform and uh, spectrum, that can't be the case. Matter of fact, the husband needs to see a sign above his front door when he walks in every single night that says, welcome to your greatest ministry. Mm -hmm. Like you have just started really your ministry when you walk through that door, your greatest ministry, your home. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't be running off and going, plopping on the couch and and neglecting the family, um, reading a book or doing whatever. You should be wrapping your arms around those kids and loving on that wife and seeing where you can serve. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I serve you? What can I do? How can I help? What is there anything? Now, if the wife says, look, everything's good, everything's fine, the kids are doing their thing, and then, then you've got some time, well, by all means, do whatever it is you're going to do. But your first priority is to that wife and to those children and care for them and shepherd them. And uh, But the problem is because of the fall and because of our natural selfish nature it is always to ourselves Mm -hmm. and so we're prone to that and men must fight against that passivity it is natural within them to uh, neglect and abdicate their role 
right, reject their role and give it to the wife. That is because we're just naturally lazy. Yeah. And it's again, it's part of the curse, part of the fall. It's part of we saw it in Adam. That's what he did. And uh, that's who we are. So um, so to fight against that, there's a number of things you need to do. One is remember this passage where it says a man that doesn't live with his wife in an understanding way, his prayers are hindered. So think about that, right? Mm-hmm. Your prayers will not be answered. Your prayers will not be heard by God. By God. That's crazy. That is a scary thought mm-hmm. because sooner or later, uh, if he's a godly man, if he's a, if he's a redeemed man, he understands how deeply and desperately he needs the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot do what I'm called to do as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a church member, as a, as a uh, employee, as an employer. Like I can't do any of these things that mm-hmm. I, I fill all of those categories I just listed. Yeah. I can't do one of them or as a son. Right. Or as a friend, mm-hmm. I can't fulfill any of those mm-hmm. to the level I need to apart from grace, yeah. apart from God's help. I mean, we just prayed before this podcast and I just what did I say? Lord, we're desperately in need of your strength. We're desperately in need of your wisdom. We're desperately in need of your grace if we're going to be any help to anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if a husband is a redeemed believer, he knows that. And if he's growing as a believer, he knows that deeply. And so the last thing I ever want to hear is that God is not hearing me. Mm-hmm. That makes me quite scared Yeah, because I know I'm done. Mm-hmm. I, the, the best I can do is my, is whatever I can muster. And I can tell you that's pretty pitiful. It's not going to, it's not going to last. It's not going to lead anybody where we need to go, including myself. So there's a, there's a warning here and God often gives us warnings to protect us. And he's like, husband, listen, if you think you can go on being passive and neglecting your role and not leading your wife like Christ loved the church, which means living with her in an understanding way, uh, you better be careful because to do so is to uh, shut down the communication between heaven and earth. Yeah. And uh, that's a scary thought. That is. That's a scary thought we don't think of enough. And uh, so I think you got to consider the warning. That's the first thing, right, it, it, when it comes to passivity. Um, and uh, apart from the warning, you got to consider the command. The command is to Ephesians five, lead in love like Christ. It's not to sit on the couch. It's not to play video games. It's not to read books. It's not to do whatever it is. All of those things you could do in their own way at at the right time, but Mm -hmm. you can't do that when you walk in the door after a long day's work. It just, that's just not right. You got to serve your wife. You've got to serve your family. And then when things are right and things are in their place, then you can do whatever it is. And again, you have seasons of life where those times are different and harder. But you also have to uh, consider the command, consider the warning, consider the calling to be like Christ. So go back to the term you use, the catch term, passivity. Mm-hmm. Passivity literally means doing nothing, basically. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just totally, you're, you're abdicating the role to lead. There's nothing about a man that should be passive. Mm-hmm. Right. Men are called to rightfully be aggressive, not in a not in an abusive way at all ever. That's sin. But in a leading way, you cannot lead and be passive. I, I, you know, for whatever people might think about the uh, Barack Obama's President Obama's comment that he leads from behind. That is an oxymoron. There is no such thing. <laughs> right. It's the same as saying I'm a passive leader. There is no such thing. Yeah. Right? You, no, not at all. Now, it doesn't mean that you're always seen. A good leader often isn't seen. 
right? A good, a good leader gets all his work done when, when not being seen, and then he empowers people, right? But he's the one who's empowered the people. He's cast the vision. He's equipped them. He's done all the work. Now people are out there doing it. A good leader is often that way, but uh, he's never passive. He's never sitting around doing mm. nothing. Um, there was a time in David's life when he was passive, and guess what happened? That's the Bathsheba. Exactly. Yeah. Right? But when you see his life and he's leading the, the the armies out to battle and he's winning the wars, what? The kingdom is spreading. The Lord is blessing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, whenever you see scripture and a man is passive, it is disastrous. Yeah. Right? Look at Christ. Do you ever see him passive? No. No. Never. Even, mm-hmm. even on the cross he's leading. Mm-hmm. Even carrying his own cross. Even cr- crawling on the cross mm-hmm. to be crucified. Even praying from the cross. Right. Like there's, yeah, it just, so that whole reality is antithetical to what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. When a man is passive, he is, he is literally neglecting his role and his, uh, uh, his characteristic of being a man. Uh, part of being a man is to is to lead, which demands aggression in the right way. Meaning he's moving forward, he's moving, right? He's leading, he's thinking, he's he's pushing the envelope in the right way. He's not just sitting around. And sometimes that aggression is seeking counsel, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, help me with this. What do I? How 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 do you do this in your home? Like he's he's aggressive, he's moving. And so uh, now the key for that is looking to Christ. So when you go back. Live with your wife in an understanding way. I think in the last podcast I referenced Hebrews 2, Hebrews 4, where it talks about this reality where Christ had to take on flesh. He had to walk in our shoes in many ways, Mm -hmm. right? He had to be tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. Why? So that he could be a faithful and sympathetic high priest, so that he could know. All of that speaks of of proactive uh, shepherd, a proactive leader, a proactive savior. So a husband must be that. He must be proactive in his children's life, proactive in his wife's life, proactive in his home, proactive in his church, proactive in his in his job. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, again, a godly man will be the best employee at his job. Why? He'll be proactive, and if you're proactive, you'll stand out. Yeah. Because most people, I've as a, as running a business before I was a pastor. Trust me, I've watched it. Most people will will work harder to get out of work than they will just to do the work they're given. <laughs> I mean, they'll figure out how to time their smoke breaks. They'll figure out how to time their coffee breaks. They'll figure out how to time their bathroom break. I mean, they'll meditate on that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can work for this, and I can go to the bathroom for 15 minutes and get out of work and surf the end. I mean, it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. versus the guy who's proactive and aggressive in getting his work done. I mean, you stand out because that's that's what we should do, Mm -hmm. right? And so look to Christ. He was always, always actively serving the church. Yeah. He actively came from heaven to die for the church. He actively fulfilled the law for the church. He actively gave his life for the church. I mean, every step he actively prays for the church. Mm-hmm. He actively shepherds the church. He actively calls the church to himself. There's nothing passive about him. Now he's sitting in heaven. And what is he doing? Actively praying for us nonstop. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing passive about him, yeah. right? He's constantly on the move, serving, working, 
blessing. Um, and you see that in the Gospels, right? He's constantly praying. Yeah, the only time he's not moving is when he's sound asleep because he's so exhausted mm-hmm. from working nonstop. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's the way we should be as men. Yeah. Our problem isn't, or listen, let's be really blunt. Our problem isn't that uh, for most of us that we work too much, right? In many ways, we we might work too much in the wrong ways, giving ourselves over to different things, mm-hmm. but most of us don't don't work enough for for our family, for the kingdom, for the world. We're just disjointed all over the place. And I can tell you, um, most of us are not overworked. We're overstressed with thinking we work too much because we're always thinking of more playtime, more downtime. Just keep track on how much TV we watch, how much blogs we listen to, mm-hmm. how much junk that fills our life. Mm-hmm. Pff, are you kidding me? Man, it's a joke. Yeah. We've got more time than we realize. We've just bought into this idea, and it's, yeah, it's it's ridiculous, especially for pastors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, most pastors, they they uh, they do work one day a week, and it's ridiculous. Hmm. And it's like, you need to preach more. You need to teach more. You need to be pushing the envelope. And uh, yeah, um, I haven't met a I haven't met a pastor yet that uh, preached himself to exhaustion. Though most people would say I'm burned out. I haven't met anybody that's burned out. Hmm. I've had I've met a bunch of people that have gotten that into their brain. But uh, I look to Jesus, man. Are you kidding me, man? When you start doing what he did, then let's talk about being burned out. Yeah, because he 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 even the days that were recorded, they were just. Non-stop. Just non-stop, action-packed days. And then you're like, well, that was Jesus. Okay, let's look at Paul. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And they had horses, and they walked. They didn't have right. planes. Right. They didn't have automobiles, and they didn't mm-hmm. have trains. They didn't have iPhones, iPads. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I was listening, I was reading earlier today about Jonathan Edwards, and uh, uh, just about how, you know, he would, uh, when he would travel to preach and teach, and he was nonstop, I used to love this, right? Nonstop meditating on scripture, thinking about scripture. And he would, uh, he would take like little, basically they were post-it notes before they were post-it notes, little Mm -hmm. pieces of paper. And he would pin them to his jacket Mm -hmm. as he's riding on a horse. So it's a three day journey when he would go up to Boston or something and preach and then come back down. And, uh, so he'd be gone for like three days and he would, he would be meditating on scripture while he's riding on his horse Mm -hmm. or he'd be thinking about a sermon and he would come up with an idea and he would write like a number. He would, he would fixate that thought to a number. So he'd be like, I got to remember that. And so he'd think number five and he would write number five on this piece of paper and stick it to his jacket. And by the time he got home, they said they said he looked like a porcupine with all these pieces of paper <laughs> and these pins sticking off his jacket. Right. But then wow. he would go inside the house, take off his jacket, and pull one number off at a time and take his – because he couldn't write on the horse, you know, so mm-hmm. to speak. And he would sit at his desk and write out the thoughts that he was having on that. And it's like, yeah, that, that, that that's proactive working. Mm-hmm. I haven't met anybody that does that, mm-hmm. right? But I've met tons of people saying they're burned out. I'm like, no, look. We, we, we are, we are so weak mm-hmm. and, uh, it's, it's, it's sad. So, so a husband needs to, he needs to buck up and uh, he needs to discipline himself and go to bed at night rather than staying up to the late hours of the night. That's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Husband's too tired because he's filling his time with foolishness. Yeah. Needs to go to bed, needs to get up and read his scripture and pray and meditate, ask the Lord to help him. He needs to focus on his family, focus on his wife and focus on his church and uh, be proactive in those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Uh, and the Lord will honor that, and he'll find joy in it, and uh, he needs to stop living for the idol of comfort, right? And so so what? You don't get to play video games. So what? You don't get to have your me time. Where is that in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? You're called to shepherd your wife and love your children and serve in your church. That's it. Yeah. Like work in your job, provide for your family, love your Lord, grow in him. There is no me time. Hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. There's none. But we've got this idea. I got to have me time. Where? Like, just let it go silent. Like, where? Mm-hmm. Right? The idol of comfort. Like, where does it say it's supposed to be easy? Well, it's just so hard. I get it. It's hard for all of us. Get over it. Like, this is the calling we have as men. We're in a fight. We're in a war. Mm-hmm. We're living in a foreign land of darkness. Whoever thought it would be easy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go to Iraq. Guess what? You're going to be walking around with a flak jacket on and a, and a metal helmet because you're going to get shot at. Mm-hmm. That's where we live spiritually. Yeah. It's like this idea that it's somehow supposed to be easy and cushy and I'm supposed to come home, plop in my lazy boy, put my feet up. My wife brings me olives and grapes and all is well. And my children obey at every command I give. I don't know where that idea came from, but it didn't come from the Bible. Right. Not at all. We are, mm-hmm. we, are, we are men to work hard. And that whole American mindset has not been helpful for our men. Mm-hmm. It's seduced them into passivity because it's frustrated them because they're living for something that's not even real. Mm-hmm. It's not even it's not even ideal. It's not even attainable, right? And uh, there's a time in life, in seasons of life, especially young men, they have this idea they want to retire by, you know, 35 and they want to have a boat. And a, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. There's a time when, when you will have more time, more resources and all of that. Now's not the time. Care for your three-year-old. Mm-hmm. Love your wife. Invest in them. Pay your bills. Work hard, and God will honor that. And there may be a time where you can have, you know, more of that stuff and have a vacation and those things. But in the meantime, just be faithful. Yeah. Right. And so, and so, yeah, this whole idea of passivity just doesn't fit with Scripture at all. So the key in all of that is look to Christ. So lead your wife in love like Christ. Um, Ephesians 5, man, he gave himself up for the church. He gave himself up, what, that he might purify the church, that he might wash the church, that he might cleanse the church. Mm -hmm. Hear all those action verbs? There's nothing passive in that, Mm -hmm. right? And he's still doing it. Well, so we as husbands are to lead our families that way. And trust me, I get it. Don't hear my tone of my voice or my my passion in this podcast to think that in any way I get it all right. No, I'm preaching to myself. Mm -hmm. This is the reality, the calling of of being a man, why the man has the harder job than the wife, because this is no joke. We're the responsible one, meaning we're the ones God is going to hold accountable. He's not going to hold our wives accountable or, or, or the mothers accountable in the home. It's the father. That's why the sins come through the man ultimately, because he's the one responsible. It's he's responsible. Uh, Adam was responsible, even though Eve was the one talked to by Satan, Mm -hmm. right? But it never says in the Bible that sin comes through Eve. It always comes through Adam. Yep. And there's reasons, multiple reasons for that. But primary is that he was the responsible one. God gave him the duty. She was there to help him. He was there to lead. Mm-hmm. So it is with the husband. He is there to lead. He is there to push forward as the warrior in the home, as the shepherd of the home. And he needs to accept the difficulty of it. He needs to accept his inadequacy in it. And that drives him to his knees. That gets him up in the morning to go to Scripture in desperation, saying, Lord, I can't do this another day. And God is going, exactly. But I can do it through you. Lean on me. And that's what we need. 
That's exactly what we need. And so passivity is driven out by <clears throat> understanding the command, understanding the warning, understanding the character of Christ, and understanding the calling. The calling we have is serious. The calling is no joke. Mm-hmm. It's a battle. It's a war. Yeah. I uh sorry. No, no, you're good. Uh the silence that you hear is the conviction in the room. <laughs> That's what that is. Uh this is uh definitely knocking at my door and uh I'm taking all of this in. Uh and But I I mean I'm serious. Yeah, I, I mean it makes total sense though. For so long we have spoken to men as if they're babies and we've spoken to men as if they're to be coddled. They're not to be coddled. Men aren't made to be coddled. Right. Mm-hmm. Plush toys are meant to be coddled, but we're not plush toys. We're yeah. men. Mm-hmm. Right. And you just need to say it for what it is. Man, you, we just need to we need to get tougher. Mm-hmm. We need to be stronger. We need to embrace the calling, which is fight mm-hmm. the fight of faith. I mean, listen to Paul when he's at the end of his life. I have fought the good fight when I was in my 20s. <laughs> no, he's like he's probably about 70 years old. Yeah. Right. When he's about ready to die there. And and he says, I have fought the good fight to the end, mm-hmm. to that last day. It's a fight, and it will be a fight until the bitter end. And if you're not fighting, then there's all kinds of things you should be asking yeah. <laughs> about your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty scary. And if it's not difficult, there's all kinds of things you should be asking mm-hmm. because then you're probably not in the fight, which speaks volumes to where you may or may not be. So. I think we just need to read Scripture. Galatians 5 is clear. It's a battle. Romans 7 is clear. It's a battle. Uh, uh, Paul told Timothy, what? Same thing. Timothy was all timid. And and what does Paul do? He speaks to him like a man. He says, Mm -hmm. come on, Timothy. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, Mm -hmm. right? He gave us a spirit of sound mind, Mm -hmm. right? And encouragement. And what does he say? Follow me in fighting like a good soldier. See mm-hmm. the analogy? Mm-hmm. In a good, like a good athlete. Or here you go, one I like being from West Virginia. Like a good farmer. Mm-hmm. Get out there and work hard. Plant the soil. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he uses all these aggressive right, right. analogies. Mm-hmm. No soldier is worth his weight is passive. No farmer. No athlete. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the only passive athletes are the one on the bench, yeah, right? You yeah. know, so it's like... Or didn't make the team. It didn't make the team or whatever. I mean, you get it. Like, mm-hmm. look at Scripture. It bleeds with this reality. Men are called to lead, mm-hmm. and leading demands uh, proactive moving forward, not sitting still. And most of us need to wake up to that and get over it and embrace it and just say, you know what? It's just hard because that's the calling. Mm-hmm. We live in a fallen world. It won't always be this way. It will get easier as we grow stronger on on many levels. But guess what? I've come to this conclusion as I'm getting older. Part of the difficulty, even in your younger days, well, one, I don't think it's as difficult as most young guys think, but it's just part of our culture. But part of the blessing of the difficulty is building up stamina. Hmm. Because as you get older, um, I'm already experiencing this in a small degree, but I've watched it with many godly men around me. I mean, your body just starts to fall apart. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, your loved ones start to die. Cancer sets in. I mean, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, do you just quit then? Yeah. Do you just throw in the towel? Mm-hmm. No, you keep fighting. Well, you're able to fight if you followed God's roadmap as a young man. You have built up the stamina. You've built up the strength, spiritual strength we're talking about now. Training yourself to godliness, right? Mm-hmm. First, Peter, First Timothy 4, 7. Mm-hmm. You've built up the theological roots 
that will feed that when you're when you're older and physically not as strong, but mentally and spiritually you've got the stamina. And that's why I love those old, gray-haired, godly men, like a John MacArthur, for instance, use him mm-hmm. in his eighties, right? Mm-hmm. Who is just or like an RC Sproul, right? Mm-hmm. On oxygen struggling before he died and yet still faithfully through the oxygen mask right preaching the gospel Mm -hmm. not giving up in the midst of literally slowly dying Mm -hmm. right suffocating to death because of emphysema right and yet would not waver one ounce in his faith Mm -hmm. you want to talk about that's difficult yeah that's hard Mm -hmm. and yet still proactive Mm -hmm. but you don't get there overnight you get there as as a younger man pushing through the fight and growing in the roots of theological depth that will then feed that life as you get older. Yeah, that's good. It's uh, definitely a a call to uh, men, uh, whether you're married or not, you know, to to fight. Absolutely. And to uh, be active. Uh, We are going to come back next time. And uh, I am not going to reveal to Matt what we're going to talk about, but that's please, new. please be aware that this will be something that he has talked about many, many times, <laughs> and he will be very, very happy to talk about these things. Trust me and believe me when I say that. Great. Thank you for listening. And now here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. My name is Rentno, and this is the gospel of Jesus Christ in Indonesian language. Injil Alkitab bermula dari Tuhan. Dari ketiadaan, Tuhan menjadikan segala sesuatu ada, termasuk Anda dan saya, untuk memberi sukacita baginya. Tuhan menghendaki agar kita mengasihi, menaati, dan bersukutu dengannya secara sempurna. Sebaliknya, manusia jatuh ke dalam dosa terhadap Tuhan kita yang maha pengasih dan memberontak dalam sekedap perilakunya. Karena Tuhan itu baik dan adil, dia harus menghukum dosa yang berujung pada hukuman yang kekal di bawah murka Tuhan di neraka. Namun, Tuhan sebagai hakim yang adil, yang maha pengampun, pengasih, dan murah hati, memiliki rencana untuk menghukum dosa dan mengampuni para pendosa dengan mengutus putranya yang tunggal, Yesus Kristus, yang setara dengan dirinya, untuk mengambil rupa sebagai manusia, secara sempurna menggantikan manusia yang berdosa, mengasihi, menaati, dan bersukutu dengan Tuhan. Lebih dari itu, Yesus menanggung murka Tuhan di atas kayu salib, memuaskan amarah Tuhan yang abadi, berdiri di tempat para pendosa walau dirinya tidak bercela. Tuhan kemudian mendemonstrasikan penerimaannya terhadap pengorbanan Yesus dengan membangkitkannya dari antara orang mati pada hari ketiga di kuburnya. Saat ini, Yesus memerintahkan setiap orang untuk bertobat, berbalik dari dosa-dosa mereka, dan percaya padanya. Ini adalah transaksi yang mulia di mana Tuhan menetapkan kesempurnaan Kristus sebagai ganti dari para pendosa dan tidak lagi memandang mereka sebagai musuhnya, melainkan sebagai anak-anak angkatnya yang berberisai kebenaran di dalam putranya. Sekarang kita diperdemaikan dengan Tuhan dan memiliki hidup yang kekal bersamanya. 
Hal ini berlaku bagi setiap orang dari berbagai latar belakang budaya, di setiap tempat, dan bahasa sepanjang masa. Jadi, respon kita terhadap kabar sukacita ini adalah pertobatan dan iman. Para pendengar yang terkasih, dengarkanlah, sekarang adalah kesempatan bagi Anda untuk menerima ini. Dengarlah, sekarang adalah waktunya bagi kita untuk ditebus. Berbaliklah dari dosa-dosa Anda, percaya pada Tuhan Yesus Kristus, dan diperdamaikan dengan Tuhan. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal, conscious punishment under God's wrath in hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy, by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone, everywhere, to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person in every culture, in every place, in every language through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this day, be reconciled to God. Thank you for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and send in your questions to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast and visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.